Hi, everyone. This is Barbara Bray. I'm, this is a time right now, uh, maybe in history, that reflections really matter. And I really needed to talk to Joan Young. And I'm so glad you're here, Joan. I'm so glad to be here with you, Barbara. You know, can you just tell, you know, my audience a little bit about what you do, and then we'll just do a reflection on the way we were talking about? Yeah, um, I am a middle school counselor, and I teach social emotional learning. I teach a class called Self Science, and I work with middle schoolers to understand their emotions, understand how they learn, learn how to have difficult conversations, and just how to be in the world when they're at a very (laughs) vulnerable, uh, formative time. Um, I'm also a certified health and wellness coach, national board certified health and wellness coach. And I work with individuals and groups, and I'm very passionate about helping educators lead more um, healthy and resilient lives. You know, it's, I've known you. I don't even know, Joan, how long I've known you. It seems like <laughs> it's been, at, I, it seems like almost 20 years or something. I think I've known you a long time and watched you, you know, I've, you've always been into psychology and this idea of coaching as long as I've known you. Yeah, I think we have known each other at least over 10 years for sure. Mm-hmm. And I studied positive psychology after clinical psychology because I got tired of talking about what's wrong with people and wanted to talk specifically about what's right with kids. And that's how I came up with my handle, Flourishing Kids. Oh, I love that too. I, I think we need to learn how to flourish, but we also, at this time, I think we need to talk about what's really happening. And you and I were talking about the pandemic and how that's impacting all of us. And I think, let's talk about that first, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm hearing from teachers how tough it is. And also a concern I had was, you know, all of our students who haven't seen their, you know, their peers, had any time to be with their friends, and now some of them are graduating on Zoom. And it's just this whole life seems surreal. Uh, Just your take on it right now for um, the social emotional part and also just your take on uh, where we are at this time. This is the, this is the end of May. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been in this situation for over two months. Um, We sheltered in place mid-March and the whole thing has been surreal And it's been a time of grieving for a lot of students who don't get to have the normal closure of graduating together, of being together for all the traditions that come with being at the end of a school year. And my heart really goes out to them. I think it's normal for them to be grieving. And as adults, it's normal for us to struggle with how to hold that grief for them and not try to talk them out of it and not try to say, oh, but you know, it could be so much worse. 
<laughs> we don't want to say that. I mean, that's, in fact, um, teachers need help. Uh, what I've heard is the stress level has just gone way, way beyond anything because many of the teachers I've talked to also have children at home mm -hmm. and uh, they're trying to balance that along with the rest of the family, uh, just trying to keep everyone together. And um, we weren't prepared for this. Teachers weren't prepared. All of a sudden, they're thrown into it. <laughs> yeah, we had no, I mean, we had two days notice before we went right to virtual distance learning. And thankfully, my kids are grown, but I, my heart goes out to all of my teacher friends who are trying to manage being the teacher to their own child at home, the teacher to their students, and they're not supposed to miss a beat. You know, we're just, that's what we do. And we're used to that attitude of that's what we do under the most difficult of cir circumstances. But I think it's, it's really un unfathomable how anyone can teach effectively in this way, at least with such short notice. We'll need some planning if we're going to continue with a version of this in the fall. Yeah, it, and what's happened is a lot of teachers and parents are finding that some things aren't working right. Mainly, there are a lot of, a lot of families that don't have access and they don't have the resources. And mm -hmm. teachers are saying that only half of my kids are showing up. And districts are saying, we still need you to give us grades. You know, it's just so all over the place. And I, I'm really proud of schools and districts that waived the standardized tests and said, forget the grades. Let's just work on social emotional learning. And I just, I mean, are you... I'm not sure what happened in your district, but I'm, I'm just hoping that more and more schools and districts think about this. Yes, there's been a, um, a good response here about getting devices into the hands of students so they can be online. Um, and there has been a move towards, you know, pass, not pass, or credit, no credit. Um, there are a lot of kids who don't have access. There are a lot of kids whose school is the safest place in their life. That's where they get their lunch. That's where they get their breakfast. And I'd say where I am in San Jose, there are a lot of efforts to make sure that kids are still getting those resources. I'm just curious. Uh, we're going to go into the summer. And I'm hearing that they're asking the families to bring the Chromebooks back or their technology back. And I'm, I mean, that might have been the only technology they had. So I'm just curious how we can keep the learning going on through the summer. I think it's going to be really tricky. Um, where libraries used to be those hubs and those spaces where people could find resources. I don't know when those will be open. There's just a big question mark on it right now, Barbara. I know it's it's hard to hear that. Well, I, I'm going to bring up some things that I see now. Um, I've been privileged only because I have a home to go to. Mm -hmm. I'm able to go online. I have technology and resources and internet. And, um, 
and now this virus, it seems to have exposed these inequities. It, it, it seems to disproportionately, you can see it's impacting many people of color. When you look at the numbers of the people that have been uh, the cases and that have died, <clears throat> um, somehow this this feeling of privilege, it's not that I want to say I feel guilty, it's I feel fortunate. I just hope that maybe because it's exposing it, right? It's mm-hmm. maybe something will change. I, I'm just putting it out to just talk about this. Yeah, I think I think it's brought it to the point where we can't ignore the inequity now. You know, some of us have tried to soldier on and do what we can and teach our kids the best way that we know how. And now these glaring inequities are right in our faces. And as a privileged white person who's now woken up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been woken up at other times in my life. And for some reason, the way our society is, we don't stay woken up. And I am committed to staying this way and asking questions and being uncomfortable. And I think we're going to have to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations. Yes, we, you and I talked about, we were going to talk about positivity. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had talked to Um, some other people and what came out of it was it's hard to be positive with a knee on your neck Mm. and now now I am sure if you looked at how many black people have been murdered with that were not captured on on smartphones this Mm -hmm. is this is so sad for the world but it's really it's waking us up I have to say, mm-hmm. seeing the, this atrocity is so callous in front of the world, and now there's these protests. Um, I, think, I think things are going to change, I hope anyway. I hope so too, and I hope that people understand that we all have this responsibility to, to vote and to make our voices heard. And I don't know if positive is the word right now, Mm -mm. but I do know that committed and loud and not not staying silent. We can't be complicit and complacent. Yeah, Yeah, there's a thing about, it's not that you're non-racist. You have to be an anti-racist. You have to be fiercely, you have to fight it. it. We all have to be part of this to make Mm -hmm. this happen. And we have to get the right people in office that can make it happen all across the world. I mean, everywhere it's people are protesting everywhere in the world. It's amazing. It really is. And it's time. It's time. So, um, thank you for doing this. This is tough. It is uncomfortable. These uncomfortable talks we have to have, if we really want our children to survive and our beautiful black children to live. I've talked to several moms saying they're afraid for their sons. We can't let that happen anymore. We just can't. Now they're afraid for their daughters too. I mean, this is like, we can't let this happen anymore. So 
Um, this is the beginning of a lot of talks, and we are going to look at ways to stay positive. And one thing I love about what you do, Joan, is you help with the coaching when people feel like there's no hope. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, um, in fact, I'm, I think we're going to have to talk some more <laughs> another time too. I'd love to talk to you some more. And if if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to share something personal. Sure. I had a wake-up call the other morning as I was listening to my husband, who is uh, Jamaican, grew up in the UK, and I realized that I hadn't been fully listening of his times when he would tell me, you know, I can't go one mile over the speed limit because I might get pulled over. And in the UK, I wouldn't have gotten shot. But in America, I don't know that. Hmm. And I heard but didn't hear at a visceral level. And now I hear and I I apologized for not fully hearing. I didn't hear fully because it scared me to, to fathom that his life was in danger just being out in public. Wow. You know, I think we need to learn how to listen more. Yes. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, Sorry. And I just think that also giving ourselves compassion when we find that we haven't been listening, because what's underneath that is my heart that couldn't take that fear. So what I have to do is be brave enough to be honest with myself and say, I shut that down because I was scared. Hmm. Maybe that's why many of us are afraid to say anything. We don't know. We don't know. And and being uncomfortable is difficult Mm -hmm. in these conversations. Some people don't want, aren't ready. But I think that we need to keep talking like this and share your story. I mean, that's showing your vulnerabilities and showing that how much you love your husband and didn't even know that you weren't listening. That's big. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, Joan, I'm going to, let's come back another time and and, uh, really dig deep with this because I think people are going to need ideas and coaching support any way we can do it. Yes, definitely. I'd love to talk to you more and share a little bit about um, a model that that I've been using in health coaching called the hero model. And it, one of the parts of hero is uh, realistic optimism and hope. So it's hope, self-efficacy, realist, um, resilience, and realistic optimism. So I think we need all of those right now. Well, let's put a, we're going to put a post together. Maybe you can put a link to some things about, at least put it in there so people can refer to it. I think that sounds Good. Okay, we're going to do this again. Thank you, Joan. This Thanks, is, Barbara. Oh, touching my heart. <laughs> it's good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. You take care of yourself. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.